The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. It is indeed that time again. Welcome back to Afternoons with Mike, heard daily here across North Central and Central Florida on the Shepherd Radio Network. We are in Orlando at the Shepherd Studios today, and I have with me Ellen O'Connor. She is the executive director of a great organization that really serves Central Florida well. It's called Dave's House, and you can find them at daveshouse.org, and they do a lot of work. They work to end homelessness for men and women who suffer from serious mental illness. And this has been a week where we've seen uh, a lot of uh, concerning things in our country. Uh, Without a doubt, mental illness has played greatly into the role of what happened in Nashville just a couple of days ago. Unthinkable stuff like this happens regularly, sadly, and we're we're just praying that uh, those people left behind in Nashville will receive from the, the... wonderful comfort of God, and just the support and strength of neighbors and family members nearby. But Ellen, it is so nice to have you with us today. Welcome to our program. Thank you. We're uh, we're uh, very appreciative to be here. We're trying to get the word out about Dave's house and the work that we're doing because there is a great need. Um, we know that over 7,000 adults are living in homelessness in our cent- greater Central Florida area. And we know that over 20% of them have a diagnosed mental illness. Mm. And we believe that it's even higher than that. Yeah. How would they even know that when you look at all of the people that are mm-hmm. homeless, that stand on the corners? I mean, there's no one in Central Florida or North Central Florida, either one, that would not be used by now to seeing that happen with the cardboard signs. They all look the same. They all look very similar in terms of uh, what is the message, the verbiage that's there. Uh, but you always wonder what kind of background these these people are coming from. I know not all of them are the same. Uh, it, the, each one has a unique story. I mean, a lot of them are, as you mentioned, I think earlier, like living kind of on the edge. Mm-hmm. Um, many of them uh, maybe didn't even understand what was going on with them. Their Their condition was not diagnosed. And out of a coping mechanism, many of them become addicted to drugs or alcohol or some other substance to help them cope. And it becomes very complicated and challenging in a family setting. If you have a adult, uh, if you have a child or a family member, a loved one that always you had a normal relationship with, and then suddenly in their young adulthood is usually when an onset of something like schizophrenia or many of the um mental illnesses come on, then all of a sudden you're wondering, well, what's going on? Why was he this way before and this way now? If people are not educated or aware of, you know, resources to seek out, a lot of times that person gets lost. They get Mm -hmm. misunderstood. In many cultures, it's um, embarrassing or, you know, it's not something they want to talk about. So they're not as open about it. And that leads to 
other challenges also. Yeah, and there's this sense that all of those things, when you take the sum total of them all, it really does lead to this almost like a power, almost like a magnet drawing them out and right. becoming more isolated. And, I, and isolation's the worst thing. So. Oh my goodness. I mean, you... When if you think about social media, I, I I've laughed for about this for years. When I think about the, the kind of almost the non-synchronous terms of social media, mm-hmm. the, the truth of it is that you think I've got friends right. in social media. That's what they're called. They're called my friends, and I've got. Uh, I mean, on my Facebook page, I I don't know what the number is twelve hundred, <laughs> and I do have a lot of friends. I'm blessed. Right. I have a lot yeah. of friends, but there's a lot of people who have hundreds of friends who have no friends, mm-hmm. no real friends. And you can have all of these uh, outlets and relationships and social media and be one of the most isolated people and miserable in that isolation. Yeah. And I think that's what Dave's house provides is a community, a sense of community. Right. Real. There's community. the community in their home where they live with their roommates. Um, there's the community of their case management um, that in our market is provided by Aspire Health Partners, which who is the leading behavioral service provider in this area. And um, and then they have a community. They usually are into either their work community or their church community or um, even volunteers. Many of them are volunteering at Second Harvest or other local um, nonprofits where they, they have a personal interest. Mm-hmm. Um, several of our residents go to my church. I see them every Sunday and they're involved in different programs in our church. So I think um, that is the beauty of what Dave's house provides is a sense of family, a sense of community and all those wraparound services that allow someone to remain stable. Well, I've gone through your website. It is quite impressive to see the community involvement Mm -hmm. with businesses, but not just businesses, a lot of individuals have added their names to the roles that are supporting Dave's house and this this work. Uh, let's take a moment and get to know you a little bit better. I know you grew up in the Catholic Church, now uh, attending a non-denominational church led by a friend of mine, I might oh, add. That, I know, it's, I was happy to hear that. Yeah, Mark <laughs> and uh, Crystal Evans over at Northwest Baptist. I've known them for uh, Northwest Church mm-hmm. uh, now. Uh, I've known them for years. Haven't seen them since we made... The move back to Florida, got to give Mark a call now for sure and say hello. But uh, the the work that's going on in churches across the area, I mean, you're part of that. You've you've been affected personally by God. You have a a strong belief in the Lord. Uh, You, you, I know, would feel, I can tell you're a person of empathy, Mm -hmm. but that still is a long way away from someone who then directs their life as you have done mm-hmm. and and commits to even a career in this. How did that happen? Um, I actually spent um, most of my career in the media industry. For I worked for Tribune uh, Corporation. Oh, my goodness. Uh, the Sun Sentinel down in South Florida in marketing and community relations and um, sales support. Um so that I kind of climbed the ladder in the corporate world and then um, ended up at um, Cox Media at mm-hmm. one point working for the Palm Beach Post. And when I met my husband, um, I moved up to the Orlando area and I was volunteering in Apopka um, for a, a small nonprofit out there. And when the and I would, then I became on the board of directors and I've been on a number of board of directors for my community relations role and 
um, South Florida. And um, not I've necessarily always, with an emphasis on mental illness. No, though, I've right? always been a volunteer. I've always volunteered. My parents were, you know, that that was their belief as well. And we were always very involved in our Catholic church in um, Broward County. Um, and then when I came up to this community, I I had been I, I had kind of reached a point in my career where I was like. And the newspaper business was kind of on a decline. Yeah, I was down. I was there at the height, and now it was kind of <laughs> going on a decline. And I had all these marketing, all this marketing and business experience, and I decided to transition into a nonprofit management. And so I've been in nonprofit management now for um, thirteen years. So I've been with uh, Dave's House for um, I'm on my fourth year with Dave. So House. would you have had a strong, let's say, conviction and empathy and passion? For those with mental illness prior to just kind of entering into general the nonprofit world? Yes. Um, I have I I wouldn't I don't say I don't have a direct tie to specific mental illness in my immediate family. I do have a, a niece that has Down syndrome. And so I think seeing her navig and her parents, my sister and her husband navigate that process. And seeing how she thrived with the family support and all the services around her. Um, but I do have people in my family that I think struggled with mental health issues. And then it, it um, presented itself with alcoholism, which is a lot of times what happens. You know, that someone has an issue that they're not resolving. And so they seek out some type of substance to help them mm-hmm. cope. Mm-hmm. So I think I I have compassion to that because I see I've seen how it can impact someone's life. So when you have people like that who have these issues and they they could be issues that need something, you know, they obviously there's a hole there in, in their heart that needs to be filled and so right. many do get addicted to things like alcohol or they find mm-hmm. uh other substance abuse uh forms like drugs. And in, in this day and age, it's fentanyl that is yeah. uh, one of the not only most addicting things, but it's also one of the biggest killers that's out there right now. When you have that, and then you couple it with one of these strong addictions, the end result is never good, right? No. And um, and then when, when an individual has a serious mental illness, and then they have a co-occurring substance um, addiction when they're trying to stabilize themselves. So they have two major issues, usually more than just two, but those two major ones, they have to address both concurrently. You know, they have to get a handle on their, on, on becoming sober. And then they have to start adapting to be on medications that are going to help them with their mental illness. And our partner in central Florida is um, Aspire Health Partners and they, they do a great job at that. They're helping people coming right off the streets, um, helping them in transitional housing, getting them stable with housing, and then helping them with these um, co-occurring um, issues that they're dealing with. I think you could serve us all greatly by kind of giving us a definition, and you work with this every day, you work with the people involved in this every day, a definition of, the of first of all, mental illness. What what is that? Is that something that's caused? Uh, is there something wrong in, in the person's way of thinking? Are, are there uh, hormones out of balance? I mean, I've heard all of these things as potential put the finger on the pulse problems here with it. And then you compare that to the current 
words that are used mental health mm-hmm. and mental health issues can be depression they can they can be a bunch of things yes. that are not necessarily let's say you're born with or whatever they can just be brought on by worry or whatever so how do you define the difference between mental illness and mental health what is mental illness well i i'll kind of stick to my lane because i'm not a mental health expert but but the the population that we work with or have a diagnosed serious mental illness. So a serious mental illness would be something that would impact either as a behavioral or emotional um, mental illness that that is so significant that they can't function in their, in their day-to-day life mm-hmm. without medication or supportive services. So things like bipolar, schizophrenia, those type of conditions. So mm-hmm. most of, uh, you know, I would say I pretty much all of our residents are on some type of mental health um, medication. So it, they, and they have gone through a process of working with a clinician to understand what their condition is. And then, ha- and then they've had to go through probably a number of different um, prescription levels and that sort mm-hmm. of thing to get the right, the balance, um, the right balance, right. and then it changes, and they have to adapt, and sometimes they have to have their medication um, adapted as well. So it is something that we uh, we usually use the terminology "living in recovery" because they are stable, the people that are living with us, but they can have breakdowns. They can have times where um, it's completely out of their control that they have a breakdown, and then they need additional support that that would allow them to stabilize again. Mm-hmm. But the good thing is they have their roommates that help them, you know, be aware of what's happening. They have a case manager that's assigned to them. And then they have array of services from the experts at Aspire Health Partners. Now, would you think there is any uh, just huge difference in terminology between mental illness and mental health? Well, m- mental health is pretty broad and there's so many different categories that can fall under that mm-hmm. i mean you could be you know you could be having a i i don't even want to comment because it's i it's not my expertise it's like an emotion you could have like an emotional Emo- right yeah. or you could have emotional a behavioral there's so yeah. many different categories but i think the distinction is that your dysfunction with when you have a serious mental illness your dysfunction is so significant that you could not conduct your daily life okay. without support. And I think that's fair. That's, <clears throat> that's probably all we need to go. I mean, there comes a point in time, certainly there are similarities between the two, and there yeah. comes a point in time where that issue becomes an illness that is uh, too great to ignore. It's not going to allow that person to, like you said, even go through the normal day-to-day life right. without having to have the crutches. And I would say also, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but the um, the if you have a serious mental illness, you are likely going to have it for the rest of your life. It, you're not going to be cured of it. So you might be saying, I'm depressed right now. I have all these issues going on with me. But maybe through counseling and your circumstances changing or your spiritual outreach or whatever you're doing to cope with that, you can kind of steady yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, for someone that has a serious mental illness, 
they are going to live with that for the rest of their life. And so are their families and their loved ones and anyone that's in their circle. Yeah. So um, it's something that they have to learn to navigate. They have to learn to manage it through medication. And, um, and they start recognizing when they are having challenges. That's, I think, when they've really evolved, they can see, oh, I'm, I see myself going down that road again because they've gone through a lot of therapy and, and have had a lot of case management support to help them. And a lot of times um, we had a situation recently, one of our residents where her roommates saw the signs and were like, hey, you have to come on, we, you need to talk to your case manager. You need to take care of this. Someone who is also a roommate, yes. also dealing with their own yes. situations, yes. able to discern that that yeah. was going on. Yeah. That's it's, really it's, interesting. It's powerful because they are acting as, you know, they're, they're a, a family union, mm-hmm. you know, and they're there to support each other. That, I think that really does speak to the sense and the power in community. Yes. When you have people that were left to themselves, and that's what's so sad again when I think about what I know is happening in a city the size of Orlando has, I, I don't even know what the number of population of homelessness would mm. be, but it's huge. Mm. And you can't go to too many major intersections without finding a whole group, not usually just one, but maybe four. And there's a lot of people that are living, like they say, living precariously. So they're precariously homeless. They're living on someone's sofa. They're out during the day. They they have a place to crash at night or whatever. They're living in their car. I mean, they're they're you might not see them on the street corner, but they're like barely hanging in there, you know. And um, th- those are the type of people that you know are a lot of our residents are coming from situations like that also. Every now and then you find one of these people who are in the corners and they seem very dangerous. They seem like they're threatening. And what do you recommend that people, how should we look at that? What would be the right way? Well, I mean, if you do feel threatened, you should seek out, you know, the appropriate services, the sheriff's office. And I think all of the municipality, the um, police off police departments and all of the major cities have, someone who has been trained in um, mental health services. And if they're told what the person is, you know, exhibiting, they try to get the right person there or get the person picked up and brought to the appropriate resource. Um, So I think that the, you know, the police department has evolved tremendously. I know they get a bad rap a lot of times, but they go through tremendous amount of training and they have, um, they have very strong, ties with organizations like Aspire Health Partners and others. So they're, they're trained to identify those things and they try to get them. We really, you know, they really don't want to incarcerate someone for just simply existing Mm -hmm. and exhibiting their illness and kind of being a vagrant, essentially. Let me take a break right now. I've got Ellen O'Connor with me. She's the executive director of Dave's House. And we're going to learn more about Dave's House and some of the particulars of this uh, incredible outreach when we return. This is Afternoons with Mike and you're on The Shepherd. Pastors and financial leaders, do you need expert accounting or tax help? Do you have payroll or 1099 questions? Do you need a ministry expert to help you acquire real estate for your next project? If the answer is yes, yes, and yes, visit PetraWorldwide.org. Petra Worldwide has been strengthening ministries to transform humanity since 2007. 
Visit PetraWorldwide.org or call 855-481-9095. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years experience, EC Waters is a top trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. In the studio with me today is Ellen O'Connor, Executive Director of this great organization called Dave's House. And we can thank our friends, Daphne Keys, who was in here with uh, the Frontier Partners, Frontline Partners, I'll get it right, Frontline Partners. Uh, she was uh, the person that introduced Ellen to us, and I'm grateful for that. Frontline, uh, uh, just a great organization, and uh, I'm so uh, appreciative for them and appreciative for Ellen. We've learned a lot already about not only uh, how she got involved in the work with those that are suffering from serious mental illness. And that is something that we, whether we like to think about it, whether or not we want to talk about it, whether or not we ever want to see any vestige of it, uh, it's there, it's here, and it's probably not going away. So we need to know how to deal with it, how to get involved with it, what can be done to help people who are suffering from it. And that's really what you spend your days doing, Ellen, and I'm, I'm grateful for it. You came up, like you said, through the ranks of the business world and gained a lot of, I know, organizational experience that helps you in this work. And uh, we're grateful for the work that this nonprofit does. How did Dave's House come to be? Well, Dave's House is named in honor of Dave Jeffries, who is the brother of our founder, of our co-founder, Lynn Walensky, her and her husband founded Dave's House. And um, it started in Virginia, and this was after a lifelong um, challenge that uh, Dave had. In, he had he had onset of schizophrenia when he was in college. And the family went through the journeys that many families go through, the instability of um, substance abuse, homelessness, um, trying to be there for them, him not wanting to stay on his medication, not having stable housing. And so when Ron and Lib lived in Virginia, they um, researched you know, what was available. They were trying to get him into stable housing. Um, they partnered with other community leaders and uh, the behavioral service provider in that market, and they purchased the first home that Dave lived in. And um, he was very successful in that home. They saw him thrive. He volunteered at his church. He was able to be a contributing part of the household. He got along well with his family. Did he work a job? Um, he did work a job. I think he worked at their church mm -hmm. is what I think Lynn was saying. Um, he wrote poetry. He was he was thriving and lived and died of, uh, lived very successfully in that environment until he passed away of natural causes. So wow. he's no longer with us, but Lynn and Ron were so inspired by their love for Dave and the success that they saw in this effort that they then went on to open a second house in Virginia. And when Ron and Lynn were relocated here to Central Florida, um, they went further and partnered with what was then Lakeside, but is now um, Aspire Health Partners, 
and went on to open six homes here in um, Orange County. Wow. And there's one home in the Fort Lauderdale area. All right. So, you mentioned Virginia. I think that's Fairfax, yes, right? Yes, yes. I'm familiar with that area. Yes. Yeah, I've been up there many times. So um, it's always been, to date, it has been a single-family home that was purchased outright. There's no mortgage on it. It was all fixed up, fully furnished, and then... Um, it was deeded over to Aspire Health Partners or whoever the baby services provider was to run the day-to-day operations of it and mm-hmm. provide the services. And then we work in partnership with them. We're there to help them um, raise money for things that are needed, but also be there to provide resources and program support and that sort of thing. So um, where we're at now is um, we've reached a point where there is such a demand. Right now we're getting at least 20 calls a week from families and loved ones that are looking for someone, for someone that already they ha- love, yeah. they already mm-hmm. have the diagnosis of their loved one to have a serious mental illness. They're looking for somewhere that they could live with the supportive services that that individual needs in an affordable envi- mm-hmm. of environment. The affordable housing in our market right now is running – $1,100 for a two-bedroom. I, I think some one-bedrooms are even going for close to that, and that's without any supportive services. So mm-hmm. what we're looking to do is is to create a community, a Dave's House community that would be a multi-unit. It would be like an apartment community with a clubhouse on site, and we're looking right now at a um, a design that would be about 24 units that would house 36 people. And we're building the community sport around that, that we need to um, make that happen. How many people do you serve right now in Orlando? Right now there's 24 residents in the six houses. In six houses. So yeah. 24 into six houses, that's four per house then mm-hmm. that are being cared for. And then what about oversight of those that are there? Is there another person that lives in the house that would no, be? No, it's independent living. So these people have gone through transitional housing. They've stabilized themselves. They have a they have a case manager that visits them um, every other week and um, over, helps them oversee their medication management. But And then they also go to a clubhouse, um, which is part of Clubhouse International and is tied in with Aspire Health Partners. And they have jobs there and they get life skills training and that sort of thing. But many of the uh, residents are out in the community. They're working. They're working as kitchen help. They're working at um, offices. They're they're really yeah. thriving. So th- this is uh, really encouraging to hear, I think, mm-hmm. for a lot of families. Because, again, when you think of mental illness, I think we all can start getting these images of extreme mental illness cases, right. straitjackets, mm-hmm. uh, psych wards, and yet... There's a, the pendulum swings on the other side mm-hmm. of that spectrum. And you've got people, like you said, that are working jobs. Mm-hmm. They are, they, they still need support. They need help uh, left on their own. And I, I, I guess there's a wide spectrum. There is then. a wide spectrum. And so it's not for everyone. We don't, we have a certain um, piece of the pie that we focus on that a gap that we're filling and that is for people that have stabilized themselves to the point that they can live in a supportive environment, but independent, um, but they can't afford to. There's nowhere for them to live that they can get the services they need and live in a safe and um, clean and um, you know an environment where they 
um, can thrive and that, you know, they just can't afford it. Many people are uh, paying $500 to have a bed in a room in our market. Right. So, um, you know, unfortunately right now we're not, we're not, you know, we're not broadening into an assisted living environment. There are some assisted living facilities in our community where um, people that have a loved one that needed that extra support, like 24 seven mm-hmm. availability, um, there are, we are aware of those services. So we always invite people to call Dave's house or email us and we will help them navigate because it's mm-hmm. a comp, it's a complicated um, system to navigate. If you're a family member, you have to make sure that they get on um, social security benefits and that they have their Medicaid and all these different resources to help you. Cause it can be very costly as well. If you're a family member and you're trying to deal with it on your own and the person's an adult. So now, let's say that you have a mom or dad or a brother or a sister of someone that would be a, a potential candidate for mm-hmm. Dave's house. I can only imagine the kind of uh, mental uh, exercises they've gone through trying to get their brain around mm-hmm. what has happened to their loved one, their their son, their daughter, or their brother or sister that would make these people, um, uh, these loved ones, different from, let's say, other siblings in the yes. family. How do you deal with the, the family members of someone who has this serious mental illness? Well, we, we try to help them, again, navigate the process. We try to give them some upfront information that will help them, first of all, understand what they're facing, because mm-hmm. it, it is a challenging situation. Um, if we can align them with a the case manager, and, and, and there's a number of different organizations that provide that case management services, but I would say Aspire is definitely one of the top. They, they, they need to make sure that their loved one is assessed so that they can get the, whether it's insurance through their family or the social security benefits or Medicaid, they need to get an official assessment and then they need to get in the system (laughs) because the federal government does have resources available for people with these challenges, but some, it's sometimes it takes a while. And so you want to, you want to get into that process and you want to get case management services to help you navigate those. There are so many things in our culture right now that seems to be causing a confusion in a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you see that? Would you agree with that? Just, you mean the, the world in general, the world in general, the the state of wokeness that's out there right now. And it's almost like what was white is being called black and vice versa. I mean, it's, for generations of generations, I mean, the whole thing of gender, let's say. Mm-hmm. It, it is a, now, it is a big question that if you believe, or if you hold to what would be a biblical worldview of how God made man and woman in his image, you're an outcast to to a lot of people, and you're really spoken badly of. Yeah, I think from my work realm, um, we are open to everyone and no matter what your situation is. And that's, that isn't a factor. I think as a mom who is a Christian and trying to raise my 10 and my six year old boys mm-hmm. in that environment yeah. it can, and in there in public schools, it's very, it is confusing. And, um, that is one of the reasons I was saying to you that I am so committed to having, um, church be a major focus of my life and my kids life is because it's um 
I don't want them to get lost. I want them to be raised with the values that my husband and I have. And, um, that's and, wonderful. And what's going to, I feel strengthen them and give them the foundation to, um, not feel lost and not feel, you know, keep them on a, on a good path, a path that's going to lead them to, um, yeah. Where we feel, you know, we feel God is the focus and that's God is the focus of our household and it's all of our social um, outlets are around that for Mm -hmm. my family. I do feel like I've seen and this is not something that we dictate to our residents, but they openly share that they many of them are attending church. Many of them are you go into the room and they have the Bible there. They'll share our woman's house when we were visiting recently. They said that they sit together and read together. They read the Bible together. They, they've had different residents have brought their roommates to church. It happens, it happens that, and this is just coincidental, but one of our houses is near the church that I go to, and they drive together, and I see them when I go to church on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And that's not something that we um, push on anyone, but it helps. It helps them. They have that extra community and spiritual focus in their life and i i definitely think it helps isn't it sad though that so many people in our our culture today do not point people who are in need like that to a church they don't do that and you know what i we were just talking before the interview started but the churches in our community are so supportive of many nonprofits like dave's house windermere union church is constantly um sending volunteers to us we had a group of ladies that recently put Easter baskets together for the residents, and at Christmas time, they help bring meals. Um, they're looking for ways to show the residents that they're cared about, mm-hmm. and, and um, that's beautiful. We're looking for mentors, also, you know, people to have relationship, a friendship relationship with the residents, um, and we have an organized mentor program that's part of that. So if someone thinks they might have an interest in that sort of thing we can talk that's a definitely a way to get involved go ahead and give us the website if you will it's uh daveshouse.org dave's house and there's no other punctuation just right d-a-v-e-s house.org and find out about it again i i had a real great uh walk through your website and it's, it's so helpful and, uh, and Daphne's I, redesigning it. <laughs> oh, is she now? Well, she's uh, she's got a nice palette to work with already. Uh, let me say, uh, looking at uh, some of the material that you've brought down, uh, you again, you deal with uh, homelessness in particular. It's almost like the open door yeah. uh, to the the people that you're working with, and and that is a number that has sadly grown over the the past couple of decades. We mm-hmm. see more and more with really no sign, uh, culturally speaking, of that number going downward. It seems like it's only going to go upward from here. Uh, and yet we we know that uh, the, this is something that people can change, people can receive help, like mm-hmm. what you're seeing happen. And what a great story you shared in segment one about a friend or a roommate uh, really not tattling on their friend, but really watching over their friend. Yeah, definitely watching over. And and that accountability really makes a difference, doesn't it? Yeah, it it does, because a serious mental illness is very traumatic for the whole family, because everyone, you know, everyone has their own 
path that they're on and all the challenges that they have in their life. And if someone is breaking down, maybe violent, whatever, because they're not on a medication and they're not getting the the counseling services they need and they're refused to, or there's, it's challenging to get them there. It's, it is heartbreaking for Mm -hmm. those family members. So when they are able to get them assessed and get them on the right path and they stabilize, then the challenge is, okay, well, he's stable or she's stable, but they, for whatever reason, they can't live with the family member or it's not best for the, for that person to live with their family member. Where do they go? Mm-hmm. You know, if they're if they're living primarily for social security benefit benefits, which is anywhere from like six hundred a month to eight hundred a month, they they don't have a lot of choices. Right, there's not a lot there. Like you said, I mean, all you have to do is look at the housing costs alone, mm-hmm. not counting food, not counting anything right. else, and that goes away quite quickly in this yeah. day and age. I am with Ellen O'Connor, the executive director of Dave's House. Again, that. That address, and she mentioned this, I think uh, opportunities sometimes are overlooked where people can volunteer and really make a difference. What kind of volunteer opportunities can people, if they'd like to get involved with you? Well, um, there's a wide variety. Um, There are opportunities to do a day project. If your church would like to pack meals, you know, for a certain times of year, if you would like to come to one of the properties and do some gardening work, if you have a skill set like computers or um, cooking or gardening or anything, mm-hmm. something that you love, maybe you like to paint or whatever, um, you could come to the clubhouse and, and do a, you know, do an instructional program for some of the residents um, we are looking for mentors who could have like an ongoing relationship. We have a board of directors, which is a volunteer leadership group that runs our organization. And um, there's a variety of skill sets. We have any, everywhere from, you know, someone in the travel industry to attorneys and marketing folks. So, and they have, you know, been drawn to the organization because this issue has impacted their life or they feel that it's something that they want to make a difference with. Well, it's out there, and we are all affected by it one way or the other. Ellen O'Connor is my guest. I'll be back with her for one more segment. This is Afternoons with Mike on The Shepherd. Palm Beach Atlantic University, Orlando, offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. Really a delightful chat today with Ellen O'Connor, Executive Director at Dave's House. And we were talking in one of the earlier segments about the dreams for the board and that you would have and those that are in this outreach would have for the future. You know, you're in now these homes, six homes around the area, and not only in Orlando, but you're in uh, some other parts of the the country as well, uh, Virginia, and I think you said down south, I believe. Uh-huh, Fort Lauderdale. In Fort Lauderdale. So th- that's kind of scattered. You can have a home here and there, mm-hmm. but you guys have this dream of having more of a, a, a kind of a village, if you mm-hmm. will, a yeah. small development uh, on a piece of property where 
a number of people could be all within walking distance of each other. Yeah. Uh, and that would even give a greater sense of community to your residents that you have there. And so why don't you talk a little bit about what some of the needs are, maybe what some of the challenges are for this kind of dream to unfold. Yeah, unfortunately, our dream is unfolding right now at the height of the real estate market. Um, so there's been kind of a rush on people, uh, developers coming in and buying up land. So, we're, you know, a lot of that, there was an article in the Orlando Sentinel just the week before last saying even big organizations like Habitat for Humanity are having trouble finding land for their projects. So um, we we are in, as a nonprofit, we do get funding from the state of Florida, HUD, and other resources. And so some of the, the, the timing of how that lines up from the time a, a, a letter of intent is signed on mm -hmm. a property to the time that the cash comes in, it could be as much as a year. So that's challenging for a landowner that is ready to move and probably wants to maximize their return on the investment of that land. But I also know that there's a, a number, there are people in our community that have resources that are incredibly generous and there are people who that have been impacted by this cause and just believe in what we're doing. So I guess, you know, we I never hesitate to put it out there because you never know who might be, you know, not might not have the urgency to turn the land that fast um, or the sale, I should mm -hmm. say. Um, but um, and could be and they don't have to be, but they could be a partner in the project as well. So um we believe that that's going to happen. We have faith that this we're doing the right thing and the right people are being attracted to us as part of that. And um, we do have great support from the city of Orlando and Orange County. So I just do believe it's like a timing issue mm -hmm. with everything else going on. You'd be looking at building, right? Yeah, but we're not opposed to um, rehabilitating an existing building as well, mm -hmm. if, it, if it makes sense. But ideal, we have initial plans for a 24-unit um, facility. So 24 units all together like that, that's not that hard to uh, believe that that could come together. No, we, we feel it's real, very realistic. We mm -hmm. would feel like we need about three acres of land um, and that it would allow us to house 36 people on site and have a, some type of clubhouse community. Mm -hmm. Well, I wish uh, for you the very best in that one. And I know that this is something that, again, any parent, any brother, any sister, and for that matter, any friend of someone that they love dearly that's gone through something like this, uh, there's this sense that we want to do everything we can to help them. And, uh, you know, we've, we're, we mentioned this in segment one. We're on a week right now where this is you try to figure out the actions of some people, like what happened in Nashville. It's, it's unthinkable. Uh, but at some basic level, there is within just you know, any of the people who have severe mental illness capacities that we just would never want to see get to that point. Mm -hmm. And that's really what you're doing. You're, you're mm -hmm. really helping people stay far, far away from that edge of danger mm -hmm. that they're living in. But uh, these these are times, aren't they, where or there's a lot of confusion out there. There is a lot of confusion. And having supportive services, case managers who are trained and knowledgeable about how to help uh, individuals, you know, navigate these challenges and um, stay positive, get the resources they need. Um, 
It's critical. And mm-hmm. someone that isn't necessarily tied into their family relationship because that brings other dynamics with it. Um, so we have, there's really some, I mean, like warrior <laughs> case managers. I feel like they are true angels. They just, they're so caring and compassionate to the people that they work with. And um, they really become extensions for the, those residents of their, of their family. So when you look back at your years of doing this with Dave's house now, mm-hmm. are there any particular stories without naming names or whatever that you look at and you go, man, that's, that's the kind of story right there that keeps me coming back. Like the golfer who hit one lucky shot. <laughs> that's the, that's the shot that makes him come back to the links. What, is there a story that really sticks well, out in we your mind? Ha- we have a resident that, um, whose life was very disrupted by his mental illness and he lived in homelessness for a while. And while he was figuring out what was going on with him, he, um, his marriage ended, he lost his children in that process. And, um, and he was homeless for quite a while. When he got the help he needed and got off of the substances that he had um, been become addicted to, he um, was very actively involved in being a day's house resident. Um, he became so grateful for that experience that he then went on to be a peer counselor at um, at our at the clubhouse and um today he's married he doesn't live at a dave's house any longer he's employed full-time and um he credits his um involvement with dave's house in helping him get back the life that he knew he wanted that's wonderful and um and he's dedicated his life to giving back to people who are going through that process so now that would just go to show that at some of these even very serious levels mm-hmm. of mental illness, much improvement can be yeah. seen and experienced. And so, and for other people on the other end of the spectrum, just living in stably, taking their medications and having outlets that they enjoy, whether that's volunteering or gardening and just staying on their plan, that is success for mm-hmm. them. When you look back at this last couple of years where the economy has kind of gone a little bit in the south side, mm-hmm. uh, are you seeing support for and maybe donations to your organization uh, kind of falter a little bit or is it um, strong? I think during COVID it was a little challenging because so, so many people were redirecting their funds to direct services you know, that were happening at the, that where people were being impacted by for COVID, but it is, it has stabilized and our, our vision of this community has really allowed us to like, we're seeing the, we're seeing the promise because people, once they see what, where we're going and they see the potential of it, they're signing up and we've already gotten the support. We've gotten the initial support from the county and the city as well. And so um, we just see that growing with, and especially if, um, you know, once we have our, when we get that land res- issue resolved, then, mm-hmm. then I believe we're going to be well on our way. And you've already mentioned that you guys are really open to churches partnering with oh, you. Oh yeah, definitely. So that would be something that any church that would like to have a, a real direct impact 
and to kind of join hands. I love that concept of yes. partnering together to do things that you couldn't do all by yourselves. Absolutely. And that's what churches can do. There's already all of this great legwork that's been done. The foundation has well, been laid. Well, I'll give you an example because um, one of my neighbors um, is a real estate agent. And when I told her what we were trying to do, um, Laura Ramat, she's part of Gilkey Realty, and um, she brought... The, uh, the broker in Jason Gilkey and they have been hand in hand partnering with us wow. and they're two of the leaders at our church. So I, I always tell everyone what we're trying to do, but I think people that are, you know, have a strong faith, they understand, like they believe and they're not intimidated by a big dream. They, mm-hmm. they, they know that, that by bringing in the right team members, you can make it happen. And I think that's a beautiful thing when believers can come together and even though it's not an organization that was started by or driven by their local congregation, they can still take part in this. Yes. And the church can actually take part and direct Absolutely. its members. And that gives a wonderful way of outreach for that church and going in and helping people, like you said, that are so appreciative. And church, a lot of the church groups and within a church, there's different teams or whatever. They're super savvy <laughs> they're they're organized they're very driven and and um committed and so they're they're like the best volunteers to have mm, that's wonderful so wh- when you look back on now what's if i were to ask you what is the one single thing we've got just enough time for this mm-hmm. one what's the one single thing that really causes you to wake up in the morning with a smile on your face about getting to do what you get to do what would it be i think that um the that everyone has the opportunity to live their best life that i truly believe that everyone should have that opportunity and that when you see when the individual is nurtured with what they need they do Mm -hmm. so then the 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 drive is that well gosh we got to get more people in the in this in our model and get more people engaged and and getting the services they they need and then we'll then we'll reduce that number and we'll see see more productive people that are a- actively living their best life and and out there being an active part of the community i love it dave's house is an organization that you can find all of the details about it. It's backed by just a number of not only uh, individuals who have a heart for this and really might even have some personal investment through family members that they've seen. Oh, I, I need to add, oh, mention please. one other thing or I might get in trouble. <laughs> uh, we have an event in October. Um, it's gonna it's our Dave's House Party, and it's our big fundraiser, but it's also a really fun event. Oh, that's a event. great name, Dave's House Party. <laughs> And um, it's going to be held at the Museum of Art on Saturday, October 7th from 7 to 10. And we will be, um, we have actually a pastor that's going to be our entertainer, um, Todd Tillman. He was one of the competitors on The Voice and he um, he won the 18th season and he's still an active pastor, but he's a he has an active music career also so he's going to be our star entertainment wow and um i like that tie-in because we do have so many people from the faith-based community that are supporters and not that he you know he doesn't just sing christian music but he but i love that tie-in that mm-hmm. and he has a he has a heart for our cause as well that sounds give us the details one more time it's saturday october 7th and it's dave's house party it's at the museum of art from 7 to 10 p.m and the tickets are on 
sale on our website, daveshouse.org, or um, you can buy a ticket to attend, or you can be a sponsor. That's great. Well, Ellen, it's been delightful to get to know you a little bit and to hear your story, to hear the story of Dave's house and the marvelous work you're doing. We wish you the best. And again, friends, if you'd like to find out more information, it's daveshouse.org. Visit today and maybe you can uh, join this event. See a guy from The Voice that will be there this October. And uh, we'll see you all the next time right here on Afternoons with Mike on the Shepherd Radio Network.